Hello, and welcome to the Simply and Fiercely Show, a podcast for women who want to clear their clutter and create space for freedom and joy. If your life keeps getting bigger, but not better, keep listening to learn about decluttering from the inside out. It's about creating a life that's aligned with your values and priorities, so you can have more of what matters and less of what doesn't. I'm your host, Jennifer, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Jen here, and welcome to episode 8 of the Simply and Fiercely show. Today, we're going to do something a little different, um, because I just finished hosting a 5-day Simple Living Challenge. Now, some of you may have seen it. I ran it on Instagram and on Facebook, um, and I also sent it out to everyone who signed up for my emails. But whether you've already seen the challenge or not really doesn't matter, because what I'm going to do today is I'm going to quickly recap the five days of the challenge. Um, And then I guess the great thing about recording a podcast, as opposed to writing a social media post or sending out an email, is that there's a lot more time and space for me to explore things in more depth. So that's what we're going to do. If you've already seen the challenge, that's fine. I still think that you're going to get a lot out of the episode because I'm going to be elaborating on what I've said so far. Um, But if you haven't seen the challenge, that's okay too. As I said, I'm going to do a recap, so you're not going to miss anything. Also, I just want to add that if if you're in a place right now where you're in no mood (laughs) to actually do a challenge, quote unquote, um, that's fine too. With each of these five days, there's, there's a bit of a unique concept, like a mini lesson behind it. So even if you don't want to do anything right now, I still think there's a lot of value in what I'm going to share with you. Okay, so let's get started. I think the best way to do this is I'm going to read all the emails or or the better part of the emails that I sent out, but then I'll be adding in extra commentary. Basically, all the things that I wanted to say, um, but couldn't because then it would make the emails way too long. Okay, so let's start with day one. The theme or the, you know, the subject of the email was how much is enough? And we're going to start with an analogy. Let's imagine that I asked you to help me with a party that I'm throwing. And probably the first thing you would ask me is how many people are coming, right? Um, Which makes sense, of course, because if you don't know how many people are coming, it's going to be hard to prepare. But how would you feel if I said, I don't know, just prepare for anything, right? (laughs) Um, My guess is you would find it pretty stressful because if you don't know how many people are coming, then you have to kind of be prepared for any scenario. And you'd never really feel like you're done preparing because there's always be like more that you could do. So, you know, you'd be like, oh, do I need to get more ice? Um, Maybe I should run to the store and grab a few more snacks. Or, you know, should I call the neighbor and borrow more chairs? You just would never have that sense of being completely done because you don't know what you need right? So even after the party starts, you're still not going to relax because there's always going to be more that you could do. And, you know, if we think about this imaginary scenario, it all sounds pretty horrible, doesn't it? And, you know, if this was happening in real life, you'd probably think that I was a pretty bad friend for putting you through it. But what I think is that in real life, quote unquote, is that we do this to ourselves all the time. And we do that by not defining or at least thinking about how much is enough in all the different areas of our life. So right, this can apply to anything 
um, from something as simple as like how many towels you should own to something bigger like how much money you should earn. If you don't have at least some idea of what enough looks like, then you're pretty much stuck running a race that has no finish line. Okay, so I, I really just want to break this down. Let's, let's think about this for a minute. I want you to just think about your life and the mental load that you're carrying right now. There's probably a ton of things that you feel like you need to do, right? So everything from, oh, I need to be going to the gym more. I need to declutter my closet. I need to finish that book that I've been reading. Um, you know, I got to go to Target and pick up a few things, et cetera, et cetera, right? It, it probably almost feels like you've got this infinite list of things that you could be doing or that you should be doing. And I think that in many ways, it's, it's like trying to juggle a million balls in the air at once. And it's just impossible to do. Something's got to give, right? But what I'm suggesting is that when you think about this concept of enough and what it means to you in all areas of your life, then you are pretty much giving yourself permission to put some of these balls down. Okay, so so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some real life examples of how this works. If you, for example, decide that owning three pairs of jeans is enough for you, that's all that you need. What happens is that that once you have three pairs of jeans, that tiny bit of your brain that is thinking about jeans, that's sort of thinking, oh, maybe I should just you know, I saw a sign for a sale, maybe I'll just pop in there and try some on. Or, um, you know, you your friend has a pair of jeans and you're starting to think, oh, maybe those would look good on me. Or whatever. That just, I know it's not a lot, but that little part of your brain that's thinking about jeans can just shut down now because you're done. You already have enough. And yes, I know, like in all reality, you're probably not spending a ton of time just thinking about jeans. But I want you to think about how this can add up, how this can sort of, um, apply exponentially. So for example, jeans would just be a small part, but what if you think about all your clothes? As some of you have heard me say, I'm, I'm doing a year-long shopping ban because I feel like I have enough clothes. I've reached that point of enoughness with my wardrobe. So now I'm not thinking at all about shopping for clothes. And that actually um, was quite, a, you know, I can see now that was quite a significant part of my life, right? And so all these little bits, every time you decide how much is enough, and then you reach that point in your life, um, or you, you, I guess, fulfill that enoughness, um, it's just something else you can put down. It's just something else that you don't have to worry about. Another thing is, so that that's an example, I guess, with physical stuff. And if you think about shopping, but I also find this really effective when I think about my time, okay? So I do this all the time with housework, or, you know, the work that I do with my blog and this podcast. In both situations, the list of things that I could do is practically infinite. <laughs> like right now, I reckon I could come up with, off the top of my head, easily a hundred things that I could do around my house and probably a thousand things that I could do with my business, right? Uh, it's like, and if I let my brain go down the rabbit hole of thinking about all those things, the pressure and the overwhelm it's crushing, right? I would just feel completely deflated and just completely overwhelmed. So what I do is I try not to think, I try not to go down that rabbit hole. And instead, I try to work backwards and think about how much time I'm willing to spend on these things. So I think about my life as a whole. And I think about, we all only have 24 hours in the day, right? And I think about how much time in that 24 hours am I willing to devote to my work and to housework, right? 
which I know sounds like, and obviously that's um, a bit of a privileged position, not everyone can make those decisions based on what their ideal situation is, but we should at least think about it, right? And try to think about what limits we want to place. And then we work backwards from there, okay? So um, for example, I try not to spend more than like a half hour every day doing housework in the afternoon, or sorry, not afternoons, evenings, um, usually around when my kids are going in the bath, my husband does bath time, so I will tidy up. And I give myself a half hour. And quite honestly, at the end of that half hour, my house isn't always as spotless as I would like, but that's fine because I've decided that a half hour a day is enough. Okay. And that, I mean, it's not perfect, but I am accepting these limits because this is the life that I want for myself. So it does take some practice, right? It takes some time to get comfortable with the idea of having done enough when you still have the physical capacity to do more, um, especially, you know, when most of us have been raised in a culture where we're expected to like give 110% of ourselves all the time. But what I, I will say is that you can, with practice, train your brain to really feel um, once you've set these limits for yourself and you've then reached those limits to feel satisfied, right? So you might be like, oh, I say I'm going to give 60% of myself to work. And now when I'm done that, I'm not going to worry about it anymore because I need to save that other 40% for myself or whatever. The actual numbers don't matter. Um, the point is that you just at least start thinking about what enough or what being done looks like for you. Because if you go back to the analogy of the party, it's really the only way that you're ever going to sit down and relax and have fun. You need to know what done looks like so that you can accomplish it and then stop worrying about it. Okay, so if you want to do the challenge, the task for day one is simple. I just want you to choose one area of your life. It could be as big or small um, as you want, but just think about one area of your life and decide what enough looks like for you. And then obviously in the long term, it's great if you can build on this and practice, you know, defining this concept of enoughness in all areas of your life, but just start small and see how it feels. Okay, so let's move on to day two of the challenge. Um, and the theme for day two, or sort of the subject line from the emails was, your stuff tells a story and you hold the pen. Okay, and I'm going to read you a bit directly from the email. We are all storytellers. Every time we say yes to something, from a new purchase to a new career, or even a social engagement, we're motivated by the stories we tell. So here are a few, a few examples. If I buy those new jeans, I'm going to look so much thinner. Once I get that raise, I'm finally going to be happy. If I don't go out with my friends on Friday, no one will like me. My life will be so much easier if I just had a blank, let's say the latest kitchen gadget. It's rude to refuse a friend who needs help. Now my question is, are these stories true? And that's not really for me to say, because it doesn't matter what I think. But it is a question that you should be asking. Why do you do the things you do? Why do you own the things you do? And why do you buy the things you do? Be kind yet curious. Do your answers align with what you really believe about yourself and life? And if not, can you write a new story? Here's an example that I shared in the last round of Clear Your Clutter, which is my group decluttering program. For years, I kept a blazer that I never wore just in case I needed it someday. Because a blazer is a wardrobe staple, right? 
At least that's what all the magazines say, which is why I told myself the story that, quote, successful women own blazers. So, of course, it was hard to declutter my blazer um, because I wanted to think of myself as a successful woman. But what if I flipped the narrative? Now, I tell myself the story that successful women wear whatever they want. And with this new perspective, it was so much easier to let go. Okay, so um, one thing I want to add here is that the stories that we tell ourselves, this concept of sort of storytelling, it's not always as obvious as kind of this example with the blazer. But I do believe that this underlying um, I know, concept of storytelling and the relationship with decluttering is massive. It's so, so important. Every time that you buy something, it's almost like you are buying a dream um, or maybe a promise. Perhaps that's a better way of putting it. And, and you know that the advertisers know this, right? Um, one thing I always think about is those perfume commercials. I don't know if you've seen those. But I always think they're quite funny because obviously you can't really convey the way that a perfume smells via a TV commercial. So when they're thinking about making a commercial, you know, they can't really sell the perfume. They have to sell a lifestyle. So, I mean, there's a million of them. They're always quite, I always think they're quite silly, but let's just say, you know, it's this like sophisticated woman and she's like wandering through the streets of Paris looking very happy with life with flowers in her arms. Um, and of course, this has nothing to do with the perfume. But what happens on some level, and it sounds silly, but we know it works because they keep selling the perfume, um, is we buy into the fantasy we want to be sophisticated and we want to be casually elegant, you know, the kind of woman who buys flowers for herself and then takes herself out for coffee on a random Tuesday. So we fall in love with the product, in this case, the perfume, because it, we associate it with this persona, okay, whether conscious or not, um, we associate the product with this type of person that we want to be. And actually, um, this example is quite funny because just as a side note, I'll mention that I was on Instagram the other day and I don't usually spend a, a lot of time just sort of randomly browsing, but somehow I accidentally landed on this account and it was this beautiful woman. I don't know who she is, um, but she is pretty much living out this fantasy, at least on social media. Like I was just scrolling through some of her reels and her photos and she is just gorgeous and she's just wandering around, you know, these markets carrying flowers and sipping coffee and looking um, very carefree. And it's funny, I found myself totally lost in this fantasy. And I could totally see how, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago when I was really a shopaholic, this account would have been a massive trigger for me. I would have been all over Google, you know, trying to replicate her style because I felt so sold on this fantasy. And look, you might be thinking, well, that's that's a bit silly, and you're right, it is. Um, but I would still argue that we all do this to a lesser extent. You're probably not all um, reformed shopaholics like I was. But, you know, if you've ever even gone into a shop and just picked up a dress or picked up anything, really, and then started to imagine what your life would be like once you bought that item, you know, how it would feel, how other people would respond, etc., then you were doing the same thing to some extent. And you might not even realize it. it might just be on your subconscious level, but it is still happening. So if we take this back to decluttering, these stories are often what keep you attached. 
you know, without even realizing it. You feel attached to a physical item because you are attached to the fantasy, to the story that you told yourself about that item. And so you don't want to declutter because you're not ready to let go of the illusion, okay? But, you know, the good news is you can sort of feel empowered to declutter if you rewrite the story. So let's go back to that perfume, right? Let's just, um, I know this is just an example, but let's say that you bought yourself this perfume because you were kind of buying into the illusion that it was quite a sophisticated scent. Um, But if you're not wearing it, you can help yourself declutter by kind of rewriting the story and sort of saying, you know, really sophisticated women are, are, you know, completely unashamed to let go of things that don't suit them. And look, I know this sounds simple, and it is, um, but the harder bit is sort of practicing the story and repeating it to yourself until you truly believe it. But when you do this kind of work, it really is worth it. It's a very powerful way of reframing your decluttering. Okay, so if you want to participate in the five-day challenge, here's something you can try. Choose one item in your home that you are struggling to declutter and ask yourself, what story am I telling myself about this? And then I want you to brainstorm ways to rewrite your story that support letting go, okay? Um, This is a bit of a trick that also works really well if you were trying to control your shopping. You can do the same sort of rewriting of the story every time you feel tempted to buy something new and then you can, you know, sort of avoid buying it in the first place. Okay, so on to day three. Um, And the subject for day three was the hidden reason behind your decluttering struggles. And again, I'm going to read the email, um, which starts with a bit of a funny story. I'm a big wimp and I can't watch horror movies. But when I was a teenager, there was a very popular film called I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I went to see it because everyone else did And you know, that's what you do when you're a teenager. (laughs) Um, But look, it was for me quite a traumatic experience, but I am bringing it up because the plot reminds me of your clutter. So if you haven't seen a film, here is a quick synopsis with none of the gory bits. A group of teenagers are involved in a fatal hit and run accident. They don't want to face the consequences of what happened, so they hide the body and pretend it never happened. A year later, they're hunted by a killer who, quote, knows what they did last summer. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) What if not, what if I put it like this? Last summer, you made an impulsive purchase from the Target cleaning rack. Not cleaning rack, clearance rack, sorry. You quickly realized that it was a bad decision, but you felt ashamed and embarrassed. So you put it in the closet and told yourself, I might wear it one day. A year year later, you're drowning in clutter, but you don't want to face what you did last summer. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'll break this down in case you're feeling confused. The main thing that I want to drive home is, if you are struggling to declutter, it's often because you don't want to deal with the emotional baggage, namely the guilt and the shame that's associated with the item. So for example, a few years ago on my birthday, um, I think it was two years ago maybe, I actually went into the secondhand shop that's really close to my house and bought a ton of stuff. And look, it wasn't a lot of money. It was all secondhand. So I think I only spent maybe like $50 total. But pretty much almost as soon as I got home, I realized that I wasn't going to wear most of it. It was nice, but everything had 
like a little reason why it wasn't, why the individual pieces weren't quite right for me. Um, And if you want to hear more about that, I'll just say quickly that if you go and listen to episode three of the podcast, which is about capsule wardrobe do's and don'ts, you can hear more about how I make wardrobe decisions and really why I would have realized right away that these items were mistakes. But anyway, um, so flashing back a couple years ago, I bought these items, got home, realized I was probably never going to wear them. Um, But of course, when you have that realization, it kind of comes with a bit of like shame and embarrassment, right? And for me, that was like tenfold because at the time, I was already doing the work that I do now where I teach decluttering courses, right? And I teach people how to have minimalist wardrobes and how to get their shopping under control. So for me, I felt just so much worse because I should have known better and I shouldn't have made these mistakes. And it really made me feel like a hypocrite, right? Um, And I don't want to feel like a hypocrite because that's a horrible feeling. So what was easier is instead of acknowledging that I made a mistake, I told myself um, for months really that I did love these things. I guess on some level I knew that I didn't, but I just kept saying, yes, I do love them. I just haven't really found anywhere to wear them yet um, because it just felt a lot better than calling myself out. Or uh, I'll read this actually, this direct quote from the email. In other words, it's easier to tell yourself things like, I love it, but I never have a place to wear it. Or I'm definitely going to use this someday. Then it is to say, wow, I wasted a lot of money on things I don't like and will never use. (laughs) So my point of this is that shame, shame actually is the hidden reason behind many of your decluttering struggles. And in the short term, it's easier to deal with stuff than it is to deal with tough emotions, right? Because we're all used to dealing stuff. We can just shuffle things around in our closets or buy some more storage boxes. But with time, All that guilt and shame and clutter, it adds up until you're slowly drowning in it. And in my opinion, that's when decluttering can become an act of self-care. So for anyone who's interested, here is the day three challenge. Can you give yourself the gift of decluttering something you're keeping out of guilt, shame, or obligation? Be kind and compassionate. Do it for you because you deserve it. And by the way, it took me about six months to declutter those clothes that I bought on my birthday. And oh my gosh, I can't tell you, it just felt so good to have it be gone. Um, I think that, you know, even if I didn't recognize the emotions on a daily level, there was definitely some shame and guilt that I felt every time I opened my closet and looked at those things, you know, hanging there unworn. And so when they were gone, it was like this huge weight off my shoulder and I just felt so much better. Okay, so I would like you to give yourself that same gift and, you know, feel like a weight is off your shoulders. Okay, so moving on to day four, um, this email went out on a Friday. So it's all about how to slow down for the weekend. Because just, of course, um, when we talk about this concept of simple living, it's not just about decluttering. It's really about, you know, how we spend our time as well. So I'll read you this excerpt from the email. Have you ever been driving in traffic and noticed a car in a hurry to get nowhere fast? You know what I mean, right? It's bumper to bumper and no one's going anywhere, but there's this one car that is weaving in and out of traffic, hoping to shave a few minutes off their journey. It looks like a lot of hard work, 
especially compared to the bloke in the next car over who's cruising along listening to some tunes. And then you know what's really funny. A half hour later, you roll up to a stoplight, and who do you see next to you? Mr. Spady. He put all that effort into trying to get there faster. But ultimately, there are factors beyond our control, in this case, other cars, and there's nothing we can do about it. Now, I'll just stop here and say that when I was younger, I was I was Mr. Speedy. And it's really embarrassing um, to admit now, but I was always in a hurry. Um, you know, this is back when I lived in the States, some of these big five-lane interstate highways. And I can remember I had this internship one summer, and so I'd be commuting during rush hour, weaving in and out of traffic. And oh God, it's so embarrassing now. Please don't judge me. Um, I was young and a bit of an idiot. <laughs> um, but I guess fortunately, you know, I've I've survived to have um, to learn from the experience. And what I can say is that all that extra effort, um, not just on the roads, you know, if you just think about our lives in general, sometimes it's more about feeling like you're doing something productive, feeling like you're doing something to get there faster. When in reality, you're just burning yourself out and you're not really accomplishing much. So for example, let's just think for a minute about your to-do list. If you have a massive to-do list, you're quite often setting yourself up for failure. You can rush around all day, stressing yourself out to the max, trying to get it all done. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can only do so much. So by stressing yourself and and just really trying to fit every minute of the day into into being productive, you might have squeezed in a few more tasks, might have checked a few extra things off your to-do list. But my guess is, you know, you're probably exhausted at the end of the day and feeling guilty because you still didn't get it all done. But let's consider another scenario. What if you write a more realistic to-do list and then take your time getting it done? To be honest, in my experience, it's a lot like the traffic scenario, okay? So when you work yourself to the bone, you might get a few more things done, but all that extra stress and effort and, you know, hustle rarely pays off the way you think. It's just like when you're weaving through traffic, you know, you might get there a few minutes quicker, but at what expense? Your stress levels are through the roof, um, you know, and it may not have been the safest thing to do, especially if we're talking about the traffic example. So the way I like to think of it is to sort of say, you know, at the end of the day, we are all doing the best you can. So when you can slow down, you're going to get there when you get there, whether in traffic or in life. And so that's what the day four challenge is all about, slowing down, okay? And so I think the easiest way, a really simple way to try to introduce slowing down into your life, if this is something you struggle with, is to practice lingering, okay? So you're trying to find these little pockets of the day where you can just slow down and do nothing. So for example, um, you know, when you get to work before you turn off your computer, try just lingering for five minutes and just sitting at your desk and doing nothing and having a coffee. Or one that I really like to do is whenever I drive anywhere by myself, um, once I park the car, I just sit there for a few minutes and do nothing, right? And so I promise that that five minutes, it doesn't usually make a huge difference in your schedule, but in my experience, it can really do a lot for your well-being. Um, and just, you know, how you feel about the day. You just find that you try to find these little pockets of time where you can just slow down and create a bit of ease, okay? So that's my challenge for day four, if you choose to accept it. 
Now, um, moving on, we'll look at day five, which was the final day of the Simple Living Challenge. And what I did with this was a little bit different. It's not a task per se. It's more about food for thought. Okay, something I would just love for you to spend a bit of time, you know, just sitting and think about, thinking about. So again, I'm going to read you directly from the email. Um, this first line is something that's quite important. I really want you to, to think about this. Clutter is what happens when you spend too long in the space between who you are and who you think that should be. Okay, so I'm going to read that again because I think it's really important. Clutter is what happens when you spend too long in the space between who you are and who you think you should be. You and I, and everyone I know, we're all struggling under the weight of expectations. Some might be self-imposed, others might come from, you know, the people in your life, you know, most likely probably a mix of both. And sometimes these expectations are obvious and other times less so. But regardless, there's this undeniable pressure to live a certain way. And look, that's not always a problem. But what happens when our, you know, should do's in our life don't align with who we truly are? In my experience, clutter. Clutter, my friends. Clutter is what happens when there's this conflict between who we think we should be and who we are. Here are some examples. You buy clothes because they look good on your friends or they're what's in style at the moment, but then they never leave your closet because they don't feel good when you wear them. You start hobbies because they sound like a good idea. You like the idea of doing them. They're what other people do in your social circle, but then you never do them because they don't genuinely interest you. You like the idea of doing them perhaps more than you genuinely enjoy doing these hobbies. You say yes to invitations because you think that's what you have to do, but then you dread going because you don't really want to be there. If this is relatable at all, then you are in the space in between, and it's like having a foot in two worlds until you find the courage and clarity to embrace who you really are. Okay, so that was a summary of the email that I sent, and I want to interrupt here and really elaborate on this idea of having a foot in two worlds. And the reason I use that terminology is because it is exactly how I felt for pretty much the first half of my adult life. And honestly, I used to genuinely think there was something wrong with me. Um, I felt like so many of the things that I wanted for myself were completely contradictory. Um, Like, for example, on one hand, I really wanted to be, you know, like this free spirit who wasn't bogged down by stuff. But then on the other hand, I was really happy with owning 100 pairs of shoes. Or another really big one was sort of like, for my career, I had these big dreams on one hand of like, you know, maybe having a creative career and being self-employed. But on the other hand, I also felt this massive drive to like really have, this is going to sound embarrassing, but it's true, like really have an important job title. Um, I really felt like I needed to be validated by some sort of traditional success, by like a job that I could tell other people to and, and sort of feel again, this is embarrassing, but like I was impressing them. Um, Which is weird because as I said, like on one hand, it's really not what I wanted. But on the other hand, I really felt like it's what I needed, which I know sounds really confusing. And that's fine because that's exactly how I felt at the time, super confused. Um, I knew that I wanted these two seemingly very conflicting lifestyles. 
And interesting enough, that was reflected in my stuff, in my physical p- possessions. Um, so for example, like half my half my wardrobe looked like it was ready for like the corporate world and the other half looked like I could be a hippie living in the back of a van. <laughs> and look, I'm not saying that people cannot have conflicting interests, but when I look back and I'm really honest with myself, that wasn't the case for me. What I had was on one hand, my genuine interests, the things that really reflected who I am. And then on the other hand, I had this life that I only wanted because I thought I was supposed to want it. It was almost like the things that I thought I'd feel guilty if I didn't pursue. And so I really think that a huge part of the decluttering and simplifying journey or my decluttering and simplifying journey was figuring out the difference between these two. I really had to reconnect with, you know, what are my hopes, my dreams, and my values so that I could stop living in this kind of space in between and really step fully into the person who I truly am underneath of all these expectations, right? And so what I found was that physical decluttering of like my home and my life was just a byproduct of that. So the more I accepted myself as I truly am, the easier to it was to see um, what stuff, both, you know, physical and sort of metaphorical, no longer belonged to my life. So I suppose that if you were going to look at the challenge for this day, it's it's really to just start thinking about who you are and what you believe in. And and I know that might sound a bit silly, but I really just think that most people today don't allow enough time um, for this type of reflection. Instead, we just get so caught up in the chase. You know, you're always busy trying to do more and be more without ever stepping back and asking yourself, is this what I really want? Okay. So I guess that's really my day five challenge for you is just to think about who you are, what your hopes and dreams and values are. And if you are interested in doing this kind of work with me, um, this is what we do in my program, Clear Your Clutter, which is my group decluttering program. Um, But as I've said, it's sort of a, I take really this big picture approach to decluttering. And it's a group program. It's only open for enrollment twice a year. And depending on when you're listening to this, um, it is open for enrollment this week. What you can do if you're interested is visit simplyfiercely.com. That's all one word, slash clear your clutter, um, which will take you to the homepage about the program. And you'll either be able to enroll or you can sign up for the wait list if you've missed the open door period. Okay, so that's it for today. I hope you give this challenge a try. Uh, Maybe you could even find a friend or a loved one who wants to do it with you. Um, And if you do it, I'd love to hear about it. You can reach out to me via Instagram. Um, My username is simplyfiercely, all one word. Or you can even shoot me an email if you want. It's jennifer, that's with two N's, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R, at simplyfiercely.com. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time and I hope you have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Simply and Fiercely show. If you want to learn more, you can download my free mindful decluttering guide and learn all the secrets that help me go from shopaholic to minimalist. All you need to do is visit simplyfiercely.com backslash free guide. That's all one word to get instant access. Until next time, thanks again.